NZ National. We have Peter Field and Nalini Baruch today. And to this, the issues around Sky City Entertainment Group, that includes the casino, have thrown back in the spotlight the notion of investing Ethically, gaming company Sky City is under threat of having its casino license suspended. And our first guest today says he has blacklisted the company as part of an ethical investment mandate, saying they do not invest in porn, nuclear power, weapons, fossil fuels, gambling, and said the decision to ban such sectors is almost universally well received. Well, is it? As long as you're getting a good return, do people really care? With us, Sam Stubbs, co-founder and managing director of Simplicity. Kia ora, Sam. Kia ora. How long have you not had Sky City shares? All for about five years now. Um, we first put ethical screens on, on uh, basically just after we set up, um, and uh, we've subsequently tightened them. So initially it was for cluster munitions, uh, nuclear power and military weapons, and now we've extended it to eight sectors, including gambling. What? I mean, that's worked out very well. You know, Sky City is a, a share has underperformed the stock market by about 60% in the last five years. What other NZX-listed companies do you not invest in? There's, uh, there's really, uh, really one, one uh, large example, which would be Genesis Energy, because they're basically producing uh, power from coal. And so we don't invest in fossil fuels uh, extraction companies or those who burn, burn fossil fuels to create power. Hey, say we've got a panel with that. Let's, let's get them to jump in uh, straight away. Peter. Well, right. I, I certainly think that not investing in Sky City seems to be a, a, an ethical move. But um, ethical investing is an interesting one. We hope we all are in one way or another. But certainly you accept that these are ethical debates, right, that not everyone is on the same side. In fact, some people might oh. argue that, right? So you certainly accept that, right? So the notion of ethics is, a, you, in your view, these companies are not worth investing in because providing them capital will not benefit some larger good. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And you're, you're absolutely right that it's subjective. So, for example, not investing in nuclear power is yes. a pretty simple decision if you're here in New Zealand. But there are a lot of, uh, a lot of green, uh, green lobby groups now internationally saying, hey, listen, nuclear power is actually probably a more ethical decision than, than basically opening new coal-fired uh, power plants or oil-fired power plants. So it, right. ethics is very subjective, and it does change over time. That's mm. great. It's great. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Nalini. Yeah. Hi, Sam. Is this a shareholder-driven initiative as well? Uh, well, yes, it is in the sense that we, we basically poll our members and ask them, and we get a very positive feedback uh, on, on, this, on this policy. And, you know, most KiwiSaver schemes now are invested somewhat or largely ethically. I think about 90% of the KiwiSaver funds would have some form of ethical screen. I think, I think our, ours would be one of the most strict, but it is very, very popular amongst Kiwis, and it's becoming very popular internationally. But the problem there, of course, is you start to get into sort of like greenwashing, right? Greenwashing mm. at the company level, mm. where they're sort of presenting themselves as being ethical or environmentally sensitive, and also greenwashing at the fund manager level, quite frankly, too, where they can say they're investing ethically, but they're not, you know, really, or they're doing it somewhat so they can say they are. So, like all of these things, it actually becomes quite complex quite quickly. Oh, well, so, so, so then how do I Sorry. find out? Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can go to a very good website called Mindful Money, which has actually uh, actually been uh, operating here in New Zealand for about five years. They do independently, and so you know you, you you can't buy a rating here. They go and independently rate the the managers. They tell you what ethical screens they're putting put 
putting through through their KiwiSaver investment fund products. And so you, you can you can make up your own mind. You can even dial up what matters to you, and then you find an appropriate product. Wallace, can I just ask another question? Jump in. Um, how far does your due diligence go? I mean, does it extend to the subcontractors of these companies? Um, you know, they're they're not just yeah. they're, they're they're not just their key uh, stakeholders, but you know, one step down from yeah, that yeah, as well. It's, no, no, it's a, it's a, it, yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, if you if we're like most KiwiSaver managers, the average KiwiSaver fund has thousands and thousands of mm. investments all around the world. Mm. So you have to outsource part of that function. So with the uh, international investments we have, we actually have two companies that we outsource the, the, the screening of. They will look at the company level. They typically won't look at the subcontractor level, although if it's a major subcontractor to that company, so if it ends up being a major part of their business, it does become relevant. Here in New Zealand, we can do a, a lot more of that ourselves, and we, we do do that ourselves, and we will look to subcontractors, although you don't have to peel the onion too much before you start getting into some very subjective judgments about dealing with companies ethically. So, so for example, we don't invest in alcohol companies well, it's all very well to say that, but what about industrial alcohol? What about alcohol that's actually mm, used to make products that, 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 that we use? So the, these things become quite subjective quite quickly, and you, you do have to make value judgments about these things. I would so I'd be interested case, to hear the uh, the listeners on this, whether mm. you care or not. I, I'd, I'd suggest, Sam, that people care about a well-performing uh, KiwiSaver. They, they care about getting good returns. They do not care about where... Uh, you put their money. I think oh, you're, Wallace, you're. I doubt at, that. Uh, well, actually, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on Wallace's side on this one. Actually, most of our investors care primarily about making the most amount of money. But there's a very happy confluence here because ethical investing, screening the 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 way we've done it, has now for about two decades actually returned overall higher returns. Now, sometimes there are ups and downs. So, for example, last year, if you weren't in fossil fuel companies, if you weren't in the oil companies, you really missed out because they had a spectacular year of profitability as the price of oil went up. But over the long long term, ethical investing actually pays. And the reason is because there is actually a very loose but important correlation. As an investor, we are, uh, sorry, as a consumer, we're increasingly consuming ethically, right? We want to drive electric cars. We care about the sustainability of the products. We buy clothes with organic cotton and so on. So ultimately, the companies that, that, that are behaving ethically do get rewarded by consumer yeah, behavior. Peter, do you buy and this? Well, I find that it's a real mix. I think that uh, Sam would say that people... Um, investors are becoming more and more conscious of the choices they make. And as so much of our talk is about ethical choices, about climate change, about conserving resources, I think people are much more conscious about where their money goes. So but we I need, think there's we need great, to great in, growth here. But we need to be informed as well. We have to know that we, are, that we have unethical companies. And if they're unethical companies, how is it that they were allowed to be part of the stock exchange in the first place? Why is it we are yeah. not investing them? Well, I, I, if I may jump in, I, I don't know exactly what you mean by unethical companies. I don't think that's really the right way to approach it. It's just that investors can make choices, and if they consider it unethical, then don't invest, as opposed to making a blanket statement that the companies are unethical. That's a much tougher call. Oh, okay. Sam? I, yeah. I hear you, Look, yeah, you, you're 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 both both right. It's 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 a very subjective term, and mm-hmm. and Wallace, I think I think you're correct. There's there's an awful lot of cynicism out there, and there's an awful lot of companies 
that are you know arguably ethically or uh, ethical or not, but are effectively going about wanting to make the most amount of money, and investors are investing in them. So right. let, let's. Let's, let's not forget that the process of investing in shares is very largely driven by naked self-interest. You want to make money, yeah. right? It just turns out that over time, and the numbers do support this now, it's not just an airy-fairy concept. The, the actual investor returns from placing some pretty simple ethical screens does actually, re, does actually turn up to get you better returns over the long term. There are exceptions, and there are times when it doesn't work, but, but over the long run it okay. does work. I personally think that is because as consumers we're getting wiser and smarter and we're asking more questions than we used to. We would have never asked a question about what's the, where, where is this cotton come from in this T-shirt I'm buying or, you know, um, um, do I buy green credits when, I, when I, I take a plane flight? All of those things, as consumers, we're getting smarter. We're asking questions of companies. They're changing their behaviours. And certainly in terms of KiwiSaver funds, we are denying capital so we're denying shareholder capital to those companies that are behaving badly. That ultimately makes it more expensive for them to be in business. So they start to think about, well, maybe we actually have to change our behaviours in order to get investors. Yeah. But these things take time. They take a long time, but they do work in the end. It's a very interesting topic, this one, isn't it? Uh, for now, Sam Stubbs, thank you. That's uh, the co-founder and managing director of Simplicity. A surprising number of you uh, who are texting and saying, well, actually... Um, I wouldn't mind investing in nuclear power. Um, for, for example, what is wrong with nuclear power investment? It is environmentally friendly, power dense, and scalable in both directions. Mm-hmm. Is this person's uh, opinion? Just uh, a very subjective thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, eighteen past four. The panel are uh, NZ National. Great to be with you today. Free school lunches. The policy shaping up to be. This election's punching bag for the ACT Party is the poster child of wasteful government spending, with David Seymour citing wasted lunches costing the equivalent of $25 million in 2021. But National standing by the scheme, saying it's a good program and is pledging to keep it in play should it be elected. The political pot shots, however, do have real-world consequences and are making you know, some principal ner- principals nervous. With us is Tute Mila, principal of Arakura School in Wainui Mata. Tute, kia ora, lovely to have you here. Kia ora, thank you. Now, you had the opportunity to show the Prime Minister um, uh, around uh, the programme firsthand. There has been a lot of scrutiny on this. What's your take? To tell us what you see. Well, I guess for, for us, um, I'll say first that we transitioned to the internal model at the beginning of last term. So we, um, up to that time, had been using an external provider and it wasn't working for us. And right. um, so, um, and it hadn't been for a long, a long time. We couldn't just, we couldn't get it uh, to work quite the way we wanted it. And so we um, uh, inquired into uh, switching and running the program ourselves. So it took a little while, but we kicked it off at the beginning of last term. And I'll tell you what, we'll never go back. You know, the um, having, having the, um, the program running in our own school, having in our own team delivering the lunches, um, having the the instant feedback from the children about the food, um, having access to our whanau and including our whanau in terms of the the menu, etc., means that the program is much more informed and much more enriched 
So, um, and one of the things I said to the Prime Minister is that it, it's it's not just about the food. Now, the food is important. You know, Farno are doing it really rough right now. So being able to take that burden away so that they know their kids are going to get a good meal when they come to school um, means a heck of a lot for our community. Interesting, But yeah. on top of that, yeah. But on top of that, there's a whole lot of other things that they're learning. They're learning, you know, positive table manners. They're um, <laughs> practicing their social skills, sitting at the table with each other, because all of our kids sit um, in our farikai, like marae stars, we, we eat together. They learn how to be a, a whānau, working together, supporting each other, because they take turns helping with setting up, clearing the table, tables. We've got some now that help with the dishes. You know, and um, and some of our farmers say, well, they don't do that at home. <laughs> huh. But you know, we're we're growing um, that skill and growing that um, that sense of farmer that we do this together to support oh, each so other. So it's than the food, yeah. Tutu, yeah. we've got a panel with us, as you know. So uh, you will never go back, Nalini. Principal Mila, I read the article and I felt a really good feel about it and congratulate you for Thank all you. of the things you've just said about those table manners and conversations and, and good role models. I mean, these kids spend the day together. It doesn't necessarily mean they're socially spending the day together. So this is this is a really good initiative. I have a couple of questions though for you. One is, is your locality and is your school... Um, in some ways exclusive and that's why it works for you could this work for other schools for example and if um, Christopher Luxon did turn up at your door tomorrow and said what more can I do for you is are there things that they could do more for you should they become government well what I want to see which is the same thing I put to um, to Chris Hipkins is that there needs to be a long-term commitment to mm-hmm. this program. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I can only speak for what I've done here. And before making the decision to go to the internal model, we uh, talked to other people who have already taken this step and everything they said was positive, which is why we did it. And now we can see exactly what they're, what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so so there's no, there's very little wastage now um, with our meals, and you know that our children that have sensory needs that have you know um, fussy eaters, you know we're we're able to help them expand right. expand that for them. Peter, I, I was just wondering, Wallace, if you're going to ask everyone to tell a dad joke who we had on. Uh on the radio. Uh, <laughs> don't you worry, I've got some lined up for you after the music. Uh, but I think, I think we'll leave that alone. But in essence, um, Principal, I think what you're saying, though, is you would back Nationals' decision to continue this, first of all. Is that clear that, yes, you back uh, well, the, it, I mean, e- define either what that means, though, because, I mean, we, we've had the program extended for 12 months, but that doesn't give us any certainty about what happens in 12 months. Mm. That's right. If you're trying to do something, you need a three-year window. It could be window. another 12 months, yeah, you know? Sure. <laughs> and, um, and I think yeah. if we really want to make a difference for families, for children, this needs a longer-term commitment. I mean, the issue of child poverty in this country isn't going away anytime soon. It's a major issue, and we need some real solutions to actually Well, let, let, let me rephrase. If National away. had come out today and said we're going to cancel the program, 
<laughs> that would be quite different. So, they, yes. They right, can't so. do that. I think, they can't right, do that, I think it's good. I think it's good that National sees that continue. That gives us some certainty. I guess what I want to see is is something more along the lines of a permanent investment um, in oh, our yeah. children. And can, our I, can I just raise the issue? Uh, we're talking about the issue of uh, free school lunches or the school lunch program. Um, that, that notion of external uh, uh, catering versus mm. internal catering. What's the difference? So the external, um, the external uh, uh, providers, um, you know, can range from you know. There's there's quite a few organisations that do that, including like Subway and Peter Pit also do this. And it's not that I'm against external providers. It's just that we have greater control when we do the lunches ourselves. Oh, I so I know some colleagues that um, even in my own area who, who use external providers and they're happy with that service. But in my school, we found we just had so much wastage. Oh, okay. Um, we had so much wastage that it just was not, you know, we and we, and we also wanted... Um, you know, particular types of food. We were giving feedback to have some of the food tweaked and and had a lot of difficulty kind of, um, you know, having input into that menu, um, which I understand because if you're a provider, you can't, you can't, you know, personalise everything for every school, right? You, you've got a business to run too. So, so in us doing it ourselves, we're able to be totally responsive to what our kids uh, want, but we also ensure that we meet the nutritional requirements set out by, you know, Ministry of Education slash Ministry of Health. So, um, well, it's yeah. very nice to have you on the program, mm-hmm. uh, Mila. I mm-hmm. uh, really appreciate it, and uh, keep up the keep up the work. Uh, that no is uh, Tuto Mila, principal of Arakura School in Wainui Amata. They do the lunches internally well, now because the no wastage. Yep. Nalini. Wallace, I just wanted to say there's no way National can go back on it because the whole idea was floated by John Key in 2007. So they can't now go back on their own words and say we won't support school lunches. Right. It is 26 past four. The panel are NZ National. We have Peter Field. Uh, Peter Field is originally from uh, the US, New York, and uh, Nalini here is from Fiji. So yes. I really want to get uh, their take on this. With all the negativity around us at the moment, I thought, let's turn the frown upside down and celebrate something you like about New Zealand. And one young travelling American identified two things. Here they are. Okay, y'all, we're back at it again with things that shocked me as an American in New Zealand. Okay, Kiwi's not going crazy about Halloween. Kind of like expected this from like what I've heard like before moving here, like Kiwis will probably like dress up and like go to parties, but like actually trick-or-treating, they most likely won't do is what i've heard i'll have to see how it is next month but yeah they don't really like go all out like we do do i even have to comment about this the auckland dating scene is the worst i've ever experienced you will not find a boyfriend or girlfriend here like i gave up don't even try like no okay cafe culture in new zealand literally so fucking good i literally love it so much compared to like drinking starbucks every day back in the u.s the beans here are just like fresher in my opinion it's just everything here about the cafe is literally way better Okay, literally love bank transfers here so much. We don't have them in the U.S. You have to, like, download, like, a payment app, like, Zelle, like, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. They charge you all those fees, too, and it's so annoying. But here, you give someone your bank, like, number, and they send you money like that. So good. 
Okay, so I want to focus on those last two, which is really one I wanted to get to. It's the coffee. And, Peter, what? You can't do a bank transfer in the U.S.? Yes, it is remarkably easy to do it here. I must say that it's one of the wonderful things we have is how electronic our financial system is and our consumer finances are so much easier than in the United States. It's, is that why when you see the programs, when I watch Below Deck, um, they, they, give, they give money, they give the tip in a big envelope at the end of their stint? I'll take your Cash. word for it. But yeah, there's there's a lot more cash, and oh. I noticed that all, many many years ago coming here. And it is one of the the lovely things. Uh, again, I, I like your your next emphasis, which is the people. So the coffee culture, um, that's really a kind yeah. of public culture, and how wonderful people are to each other. I, I I'll ask Nalila this too, but I find that this is the most outgoing place in the world. Um, and it's the people that make all the difference here to me. That is an incredible call, you, Peter, coming from New York, that this here is the most outgoing place in the world. Nalini. I think the thing about America, we must remember, is that it's also made up of lots of small banks. And in New Zealand, we have a centralized system, so we can do some bank transfers very quickly, is my understanding from my days of BNZ in the 1980s. But I could be wrong. It may not be or maybe, but I sort of, I've had a bit of money transfers in the States, and I think small banks can sometimes get in the way of fast, um, or, you know, ex- expediting transfers. Uh. But, uh, you know, the thing about going to live in any country before you decide to get there and then start finding out that doesn't suit you is a holiday destination may not necessarily be where you want to live forever. So do your homework really well before you decide to move there. And I mean, yeah, we make really good coffee. We do a lot of other things really well. The question, I guess, is how long do you have to live in a country before you can actually say, no, I don't like this place. I, I I didn't do my due diligence. And it sounds like some of what was just said was as a result of not doing due diligence properly. Well, it's quite weird. Uh, we didn't get many responses to this. I mean, I said the one thing I like about New Zealand, the rotundas, and Robin Graymel said he saw a tomtit cross the road. <laughs> and that's it. Are we just really, is there nothing to like about this country? We usually get a big response to this stuff. Oh, here's one. I love going to a beach. And finding it all to myself. Paul says, what's great? What's the one thing that's great? (laughs) We don't take ourselves too seriously. And most people you meet will chat to you like they already know you. That's interesting. Anyway, you're on the panel. What is the one thing uh, you like uh, about New Zealand? Text me 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Or if you like, you can uh, throw us a dad joke.